0: welcome to sunday evening worship here at broadway we're so glad you're able to join us i uh, hope you're able to uh, grab your bible if you have a minute you can uh, real quick there uh, go grab it i do want to uh, let you know our church is praying for you it's uh, a unique time that we're worshiping online we're giving online and we're certainly giving this time of being indoors to the lord but we want to jump right into our bible study You want to open up your Bibles here to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 17. On Sunday nights, we're going through the the Acts of the Apostles, which is just a fantastic uh, witness of how the early church started with literally like 120 folks. And it just exploded. And by the time that we're finished with the Sunday night sermon series... You have a church that in many ways is spread not just in the uh, Middle East, and Asia, it's now well into Europe, and it's advancing. It's be- Christianity is becoming a worldwide religion. But anyway, open up your Bibles here. We are studying the second missionary journey. In fact, let's go ahead and take a look at our map. Here we are. I want you to take a look where we're at. Remember? We're following Paul and Silas on their second missionary journey. And last Sunday night, we left off here in Philippi. Now, in Philippi, they had a pretty challenging ministry. They were thrown in jail. Several folks got saved in Philippi. Remember the Philippian jailer, Lydia, and then the slave girl who was a fortune teller? All of them gave their lives to Christ, as well as their uh, households. And what happened was they started to, um, a little church was, was started and was planted there. But what's about to happen is Paul, it's kind of hard to see here, but Paul's going to leave and Silas. They're going to go through Amplif- Amplifis, then on to Apollina, and then they're going to get to Thessalonica. And then, and that's what we're, today we're talking about, Thessalonica, and then we're going to get. If you barely see it here, it's a little town called Berea. Have you ever heard of a uh, Berea, Kentucky, or Berea, Alabama, or Berea, Tennessee? Every every state has a Berea. Every really every country, every western nation has a Berea. You know why? Because in Berea, it was spoken very favorably. As well as if you go out in the country, many counties have. Berea Baptist Church or the Berean Baptist Church because they're known as the Bereans they had a good reputation and we're going to be looking at the this gospel tonight in our Bibles of how the uh, Paul and Silas are going to start taking the gospel into Thessalonica and that's where we get the book of first and second Thessalonians as well as into Berea and um, just a Powerful message that speaks to us today in these unique circumstances. All right, open up. Acts chapter 17, verse 1. After they passed through Amphipolis, that was there, and this is areas in current-day Greece. In Bible times, this area was called Macedonia. In Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. You know, Thessalonica is still a large city there in northern Greece has over a million people. where there was a Jewish synagogue. One of the reasons there was a Jewish synagogue here was what happened the year before. This is around 50 or 51 or so A.D. In 49 A.D., in Rome, the emperor drove out all the Jews. He just, he didn't like them. So they were run out of town of Rome because they were making it too Jewish. So they had to go basically go find other places to live. And Thessalonica and Berea were two of those cities. So verse 2, it says here, As usual, Paul went into the synagogue. So this is what he would typically do. And on three Sabbath days, so obviously that's three weeks, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Paul knew if his audience were Jews, he could start with the Old Testament and sharing Jesus with them. Verse 3, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. So he's taking the Old Testament and he's saying, hey, here's the Messiah you've been looking at. Some of them, verse 4, were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas. And look at this, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks as well as a number of the leading women. So Paul is using the Bible and presenting the gospel to them. He's sharing the good news, and they get a response. An uh, exciting thing started happening. I think what we see in this principle, because I want to stop right here and talk about this, because we're about to, he's about to get run out of town. What happened here... We get an example of when we preach and proclaim the, God, when the good news and the Messiah, the message. And I tell you, if you go back a verse and look at verse 3, this is the gospel. This is what Paul's preaching. So really, if you or I were going to communicate Jesus with someone, this is what we need to do. <clears throat> Who is Jesus? He's the Messiah. What did he do? He suffered. You know what, we're, uh, well, at this point, what, two weeks away from Easter. You know, I don't know if we'll be able to celebrate at 9 and, uh, uh, 9 and 1109 a.m. You might have Easter at 10 a.m. Easter morning at home. We'll, we'll be right here on Facebook Live. But the message is: He suffered, and what did He do? He rose from the dead. So this is an Easter message He's preaching. He's preaching Jesus is alive. He died and came back to life. He is the Messiah. This Jesus, I'm proclaiming to you, He is the Messiah. When we are a witness to other folks, our message is Jesus is the Messiah. He died. He rose again. And now you need to respond. You need to receive what I'm proclaiming to you. And he's doing this to a Jewish audience in a Greek-speaking city. So it's like everybody's kind of out of place there. You're in a Roman, Greek-speaking city with a Jewish synagogue and a, a Christian missionary who's there sharing the good news. So obviously... We know what happens here. There's a great response. Some Jews believe, a lot of Greeks believe, it's real interesting, many uh, leading women, that mean prominent people, started coming along as well. So the gospel isn't just for those that are down and out. There's a lot of down and out people, even people of influence, follow Jesus. Prominent women. Okay, good, look down, next section here. Look down, Keep going here in your Bibles. Acts chapter 17, verse 5. A riot's about to break out. But the Jews became jealous. Don't you hate it when someone else comes along and their team is better than you? You know, uh, March Madness, here we are at the very end of March. It's been canceled right now. What should it be? The Final Four should be being played, the Elite Eight. Kentucky should be in it. Alabama could have been in it if they would have won the SEC tournament. We can just assume they would have. You just, whatever you want to pick. But what happens here is when you start losing influence or someone starts stealing your crowd, or there's someone more prominent than you, and they're following this person's teachings, this is what occurs. So this jealousy breaks out with the Jews, and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. We are not to riot. Listen, no matter how bad it gets here in America... Christians don't riot. That is lawlessness. There is no place for us in uh, organizing mob riot style attitudes. We as Christians are called to obey and honor and respect our government. That's why our governor, Andy Bashir, so those are our presidents, asked churches not to meet, keep groups very small for social distancing, to prevent the coronavirus. That's why we're meeting right now online. But the one thing what we don't honor is when the government makes and proclaims rules that contradict the Scriptures. Remember, we always follow God's rule before man's rule. But we are to respect man's rule. In this case, they're asking churches, us as believers, to spend some time meeting digitally, online, in a more isolated environment. So we certainly don't want to spread the coronavirus, so we honor that. But at some point, if the government passes laws, and we know in the end times this will happen, and abortion is a perfect example. We should not honor abortion. It's the murder of the child. Even though it's legal, we don't want to participate in it or even recognize it. I guess we recognize it's happening. And we as believers, we first answer a to the Lord, but we do not respond with riot. And you say, well, what type of people were in this mob or this riot? Who were they? It says they were wicked men. Wicked men riot. So if somebody invites you to be part of a mob or a riot, you remember the story here in Thessalonica, and the men who were part of this riot were wicked. We're law and order, Bible-believing citizens. That's who God calls us to be. It says there, they began attacking Jason's house. Now, who is Jason? This is the first time in Scripture we're introduced to him. Jason was a believer who was housing Paul and Silas there. He probably had a large house, so he was probably wealthy. He was housing them there in Thessalonica. And what happened was, they couldn't find Paul and Silas, so that the mob, the riot, says, Hey, these men who were stealing our audience, who were stealing our people... We're going to go and attack Jason's house. We know where he lives let's go get him he's the guy supporting all this stuff. The Bible goes on to say here verse six it says they were attacking verse and in verse five attacking Jason's house they search for them to bring them out to the public assembly verse six. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And Jason has welcomed them. You know, there is some irony there. They have turned the world upside down. They're advancing the gospel into Europe. And... The gospel, Jesus Christ, he turns the world upside down. The coronavirus, it might temporarily turn the world upside down, but long term, you want to know how folks get saved and changed is through Jesus. Best message we have as believers is to point people to Jesus Christ. That changes their life more so than having to stay socially distanced six feet from one another. We have a message that radically changes people. You have, a, you have a God that has changed your life and has made you into someone radically different. Your old self is gone and the new self, the new person has come. If you aren't saved, if your life has not been radically been turned upside down of the gospel, Jesus Christ, he's extending to that, that to you this evening. He's extending his hand saying, I'm offering something that can change your life forever. Keep going here in your Bible. Okay, so that's their charge. They're turning the world upside down. Jason's welcomed them. They're all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, which we know isn't isn't true. All they're doing is proclaiming the gospel, saying that there's another king. So someone else is the other king. Who is this other king? It's King Jesus. It goes on to say here, The crowd and the city officials who heard these things were upset. After taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they released them. What that meant is Jason kind of got the temporary arrest, saying, we're just going to grab you and uh, maybe put you in a holding cell and then give me some money and we'll let you go. So what happened was, Paul was in Silas. You know, they're, they're run out of the city there. And look what happens. God was working for several weeks in Thessalonica, and people started becoming believers in the Jews through the wickedness of Satan. I'm about to show you all this in the book of 1 Thessalonians, who Paul wrote this to. We're going to see this is where it comes from was driven out in this ministry was cut short. In fact, look here on the board. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. Paul wrote, "For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result," meaning I only had a few weeks. It was a short ministry there in Thessalonica, but God still worked. Verse 2, look what it says here. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, and we know Philippi, they're arrested, they're beaten without even a fair trial, and then they're asked to leave, so this is outrageous the way I was treated. And as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. God sent me here to Thessalonica for the very purpose of proclaiming the good news to you. It's not an accident that you're listening to this. It's not an accident that Paul comes to your city. It's not an accident that God has brought you to church online. That phrase, he's being emboldened by our God. God emboldens us to be to be firm and excited for Jesus Christ. We want preachers in pulpits who are fired up. You want Sunday school teachers who are teaching and bringing the living Word of God to you. When you come to church, when you come to worship, you want to come radically ready to experience the presence of God. Not only that, in 1 Thessalonians, and remember, Paul's writing this from Corinth, you know, some time later, reminding that church, I didn't get to spend that much time, but hey, don't give up. Skip down, look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. It's up here on the board. But as for us, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time in person, but not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and to see you face to face. And then it goes on to say verse 18. So we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again. But look at this. But Satan hindered us. And the Satan there he's talking about, was he's recognized that the devil was using these Jews there in Thessalonica. To prevent him from proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And there's probably people in your life that you want to tell them about the Lord. They need to get saved. They need to hear the good news. And there might be family members. There might be someone you know. And they are preventing them from experiencing the grace of God. So what happens for us? As believers, we have to realize we're in spiritual warfare. You have to pray through that. I want you to know something. If you don't have a prayer life, if you aren't praying for spiritual victory, if you aren't praying for God to break barriers, you will just constantly feel defeated. You won't see the Holy Spirit move. Are you praying for your church? Are you praying for folks to get saved during this time of the coronavirus? Are you praying for people when there's all this uncertainty? Are you praying for them to use this time to say, everything I know has been shaken. Where can I find hope and answer? God's brought you into their life. You know, God could bring a great revival to America. We're in need. Do you know it's been since the early 70s? Really, the last great revival in the United States came in the early 70s. That's what we call the Jesus Movement. In 1972, the Southern Baptist Convention baptized over 400,000 people. Last year, we baptized with 250,000. It's been nearly 50 years since the great revival has come to this country. We are... We are dry. The harvest is ripe. I'm afraid there are people that are all around us right now. And they are searching for answers. Waiting for a message such as this. For someone to come and proclaim to them the message the good news of Jesus. But guys, we're, we're not even thinking of it. we distracted doing other things. Paul recognized the spiritual warfare that he had to go through to get the good news. We are emboldened with the good news. Keep going here in your Bibles. Back to Acts chapter 17. We see, actually before we read this on, Look at this pattern up here. I've got this little pattern on the board. This is how the gospel advances. And it still advances this way today. Paul preached. Paul went into these towns preaching the good news. Now for us today, we are proclaiming. Remember, preaching is proclaiming the gospel to people who are lost. And there's lots of them. You can be a preacher on the internet. That's what I'm doing now. You can proclaim the good news to folks. You can be a witness to your friends and your family. It might not be a setting like this, but you could still... He went into a synagogue and he was preaching. Number two, when you preach the good news, when you share Scripture, do you know the Gospel? What does it do? It advances. That means it goes out. People hear the good news. People listen to these words. I'm offering new life in Jesus Christ. I'm telling you everything you've ever done... Jesus Christ can forgive you. You can repent of your sins and be saved by Jesus. Jesus calls us to pick up our Bibles and say, I want to know Him. Remember what happened in Philippi? The Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That was the question he asked. And Paul said, Repent and believe you and your whole household. The gospel, we extend it to you this evening. It advances. And then thirdly and finally, we're called the gospel. It invites a response. You respond to Jesus. Jesus wants you to respond to him. How do you respond online? You send a message. To our church. I'll get it. We'll answer. You call me here. Leave a message. I'll call you back. Send me an email. You need to reach out to someone and say, I need, I need to respond to the good news of Jesus. When a non-believer hears the gospel, look at this. They either respond, they either repent, or they turn away. That's what happens. That's what occurs When a non believer hears the gospel. Back, last section here Acts chapter 17. Look in your Bibles. We've been run out of Thessalonica. And now we're going to a town nearby called Berea. Berea is a better response. But it's amazing because Paul is still run out of town. And Berea, but not by the people in Berea, the Bereans, the Thessalonians, Jews there come and run them out. But look what happens. And I'm going to ask you to become a disciple of Berea. You want to become a Berean Baptist. You want to become a follower of Jesus who is a Berean. Verse 10. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Upon arrival, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. That's the common place he goes to, the synagogue. The people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. That meant they, they didn't treat Paul and Silas as bad. Since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scripture's Daily, to see if these things were so, do you read this book every day? The Bereans are introduced to the gospel, and what do they do? They examine the scriptures daily. Jesus is asking you if you will be a berean someone who is noble, who's respectful, who's listening to what Paul's saying, and who's examining the Word of God. Consequently, many of them believe when people start reading their Bible, they get saved. You you want to see a lost man saved? You put a Bible in his hand. He starts reading it. Listen, if you're watching this, and you're lost, you start reading your Bible. This book is alive. It will change your life. Many of them believed, including a great number of the prominent Greek women as well as the men. so even women are getting saved here. It's not just for the men, Jewish men. Greek men. Now look at, this, this is amazing. But when the Jews from Thessalonica found out that the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul at Berea, they came there too. Look at this, agitating and upsetting the crowds. Then the brothers and sisters, immediately sent Paul away to go to the coast. But Silas and Timothy stayed on there. Those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving instructions from Silas and Timothy to come to him as quickly as possible, they departed. So they had to leave Berea. What happened here is the Thessalonican Jews, who did not like Paul, came down to Berea 50 miles to run him out of town. And then the Christians there in Berea says, hey, we've got to get you out of here. These people are crazy. They're going to run you out of this city. So they put them down in a boat. They're going to send them down to Athens. And I think what we see here, and what's so great about Berea, and what speaks to us about this, is Paul is someone who is a target. Why is Paul a target? He's having this fruitful ministry in Berea. And word gets out that the Bereans were receiving the good news. And that word reaches up the Thessalonica. Those folks did not like Paul. They ran out of town. I mean, they mobbed Jason's house. They came down there to get rid of him. And I think the principle that we get for this is that you might be being used by God right now, and you might feel the presence of God, but the devil does not stop. Just because you are experiencing revival, and you are maybe in the Word of God more than than ever, doesn't mean it's going to always be that way. You know, I bet those Bereans loved it that Paul would come and open up the Word of God, and share the good news with them. Daily they're being saved. They're examining the Word of God. And then here come these agitators, and run Paul out of town. So then, Paul left Silas and Timothy. Remember, Timothy's on this second missionary journey. He's going to get dropped off soon in Ephesus, and become a pastor there. And Paul's going to travel on down to Athens. But the principle we see is it's just because we're in a, maybe you're in a season that you're able to spend more time with God doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. We should almost, and we should, expect spiritual warfare. You should expect that the devil's going to come and he's going to attack. He does not rest. If you're in a season of revival, or your season of, of blessing from the Lord doesn't mean it will always be that way. Paul had to keep moving. And in this case... He had to go down to Athens. So what do we see in this passage tonight? We see these two, these two churches here. The church at Thessalonica and the church in Berea were polar opposites. They both received the good news. People both trusted in the Lord. That's a great thing about the gospel. You do the Lord's work. You get on mission with God. As our church becomes more and more missional, even though we're locked up for the coronavirus right now, we advance the gospel. The truth is, you meet opposition. In Thessalonica, it was these Jews that they were jealous and they were going to do anything they could to oppose Paul. They even followed him 50 miles. They were so set to go against him, they traveled to end this. That was the fear. You know, what happened here could easily happen here in our city. In our church. Are you praying. For a hedge of protection. Around your family. Around your church. Around your pastor. Around your governmental leaders. Because we know. The agitators from Thessalonica. They're going to come. The devil does attack. We want to be like the Bereans. Daily. We search the scriptures. I want to pray for you. Go pray for your family. Go pray for the gospel to go out and for you to be a Berean that searches the scripture. I want you to put your hand towards the TV, towards the computer. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Please save me of my sins. Give me a passion. For you. Lord. I love you. I turn from my sins. And I turn to you. Thank you for forgiving me. From this day forward. I'm yours. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Jesus loves you. If you prayed that prayer. You meant it with your heart. Won't you send me a message. Email our church. Let us know how you can be a devout follower of Jesus. There's nothing more than that the Lord wants you, just like these Berean Baptists, to receive the Scriptures and start daily searching after Him. I want you to keep reading through the book of Acts. Every Sunday night, we're going through the church on fire. We will pick up next Sunday night, We will be in Athens. Have a wonderful week.